Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll read Scripture and I will see if I can set the table. Father, we come this morning to hear from You. Lord, You are showing us great and mighty things we have no understanding of. And yet, Father, You've taken the weak to overthrow the strong. You've taken the foolish to confound the wise. Father, You continue. I pray for these people, Lord, this morning. Um, Never have I seen a text so desperately needed in the body of Christ. Father, I pray in my feebleness You will teach my brothers and sisters will stand in the grace that is Christ Jesus. Amen. We've got four verses here we've been looking at now for about 12 years. There are times that I have gotten into things and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I remember when I did the book of Hebrews, I thought, you know, I could take this into eternity and teach it for eternity. Because when you started looking at the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the shadows fulfilled in the person of Christ, and just so many things that were given, six empirical statements that says that slowly get worse and worse. If you ignore this, you're doomed. And it just kept, just kept peeling it back, peeling it back, peeling it back. But that was a whole book. I have never gotten into four verses that did that. Four little verses. And it just... If you think about it, four verses, and actually if you're kind of simple, it's not like there's a deep dispensational theology in it. It's very straightforward and very simple. And you would think it wouldn't take that long. But then there's me. (laughs) Let's read the text. Verses 18 to 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, and be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay? How long have I been in this? Somebody told me. No, just this section. Several months. So it's four and a half years for the book. I'm ahead of schedule. But, okay, this outline, this is part 16. So that's 16 weeks. And you know what's weird about it? I am nowhere close to exhausting this text. It is rich and it is more than deep. And yet the more I study it, the deeper it gets. It becomes broader and broader and broader. The deeper I dig the wider the treasure. See, when I look at Scripture and I really start taking it apart, it's I'm, I'm like a kid after treasure. It just, and that sounds kind of corny, but that's the way it is because it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And yet, in this text, may be one of the single most major truths for the individual and collective church, the individual Christian and the collective church. I shared with you this book is designed for unity. It is to make us one so the world stands in awe. The major truth that is in it is really straightforward, easy to see. We saw that in the command. But it is the essence of your Christian life. Have you ever seen people who said, yeah, I'm a Christian. You ask them what church they go to. Oh, I don't go to church. I worship, you know, however I want. And I kind of do whatever I want. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Okay. And you say, but you don't look any different than the world. Living the Christ life. 
Okay? Uh, as my little Welsh friend would say, fleshing it out. Or as Paul has been showing us, walking worthy. Do you realize that all of that in any of its understanding is based on being filled with the Spirit? I don't think we understand how crucial it is. I know we don't understand how much it's missing. The context again, in the original Greek there in verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit is literally means be being continually kept filled. It's a moment-by-moment action. That is the heart of the Christian living. It's the heart of the Christian life. We are to be controlled by the Spirit. It's the word filled. I am yielded to the Spirit. I am filled with the Spirit. As a ship, sails would be filled. The wind would blow the ship wherever it needed to go. He sets the pass. I move along by the Spirit. I am yielded to the Spirit. And when you are around that person, you see lives functioning in response to the Spirit of God. And it stands out. It stands out loudly because our society is self-centered. Our churches are self-centered. Those who take the name are self-centered. You ain't if you're filled with the Spirit. Listen. See, I've been in this church for 35 years. I've been the senior pastor for 26. And this thing I know. Without the filling of the Spirit, okay, Him leading you, there is no, no other way to experience the power of God. That's the only then do you really know the power of God in your life. I watch people shortchanging everything for a, gosh, I feel better, or a little grin. Oh, ooh, they give me goosebumps. And that's what they leave it as. Remember the prayer in three fourteen to 21? How important is being filled with the Spirit? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Do you get that? I love that. Know something that cannot be known. Hmm. that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. What is the power that works in us? Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Every time I read that, I think about the first time I landed in Moscow Airport. Shervinov. And you're taxiing up to the place and I'm sitting there and I look out the window and I think, I'm in Moscow, Russia. What in the world? I preached in the synagogue that is across the street from Peter's house. You know, Peter the Apostle guy. I preached on the southern steps of the Temple Mound. Really? I stood by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, looked across the Cassis Tiberius, looked to the north, north Bethsaida, Capernaum. 
And I got saved in prison. Figure that out. I don't know how that works. I, people say, you know, are you Slavic? Nope. <laughs> I'm not. I ain't. I'm Cherokee and <laughs> Scots. So, well, why did you go to the Slavic? They wanted the Bible. Moved by the will of God or know the blessings of God, you cannot do it unless you are filled by His Spirit. Got that? The things that I just explained to you that I have done is stunning to me. I mean, you just sit there and go, I think he made a mistake. (laughs) Who was it you were supposed to go? But then I think about it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What you have started in the Spirit, you are now perfecting in the flesh. You were saved by the Spirit of God. You were entered into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Do you think, having begun that way, you can perfect it in your flesh, in your own strength? And yet, you know what? We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. You know, that's kind of silly if you really think about it. It was the Spirit that saved us. It is the Spirit that set us aside that we minister and we have the ability to affect the eternal destination of souls. And it's stupid to think that you can do that in your own strength. I was redeemed by the Spirit of God. I was born again by the Spirit of God. And if you are not filled... Hear me well. If you are not filled by the Spirit of God, you stop. You know, you'll hear people say, well, I think I'm taking a tour around Mount Sinai. No? You're stopped. You know what happens when you stop long enough? You become stagnant. That's what happens when you're not Spirit-filled. You know, have you ever heard, uh, I grew a lot under tribulation. I was under a trial, and I grew in my faith a lot. Sounds good, doesn't it? The growing times in your life are the times that you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Does it take your grieving for Him to control you? Had a little discussion with the ladies this week on Lent. <laughs> and she says, do you observe Lent? She says, well, you know what Lent is. And I said, yeah, I do. And she says, well, I can't believe you don't observe it. My son gave up Coca-Cola. Wow. Right on. She said, well, at Lent, what you do is you forsake something so you can focus on God. And she went through this big Catholic dissertation. I'm sitting there grinning, being very cordial, remembering my counsel that said, not everything that goes through your head needs to come out your mouth. And I finally looked at her and I said, why don't you do that every day? Instead of the Lenten season. Why don't you focus on the things of God and forsake the things of this world Daily. Lady, you're messing with the wrong guy. I'm dealing with spirit-filled people. And you're telling me about Lent? Well, I can't believe you don't listen to my opinions. That's what I got to really check myself and say. (laughs) You don't want to know what I think about opinions. I, I didn't. I just said, listen. God's opinion is the only one that bothers me and I need to listen to. Okay, now we've looked at this spirit-filled. 
And we understand emphatically, every believer, now listen, every true believer possesses the Spirit of the living God. You're not waiting for Him. You're not, you're not got half a tank or an eighth of a tank of Spirit. You have Him in its, His fullness. Okay, you're not missing anything. Okay? And every believer needs every moment to yield to the Spirit of God. This is a key to our lives. Can I, I told you as I go through this, I, it just keeps getting bigger. So I'm going to give you some of the stuff that I chased down. I ain't giving it all to you. I noticed that all of the key leaders in the New Testament were characterized as people filled with the Spirit. Jesus himself, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus being full of the Spirit. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 34, it says, God gave not the Spirit by measure to Him. And you're like, what? He didn't measure a dose of the Spirit to Jesus. He received the fullness of the Spirit. John the Baptist, Luke 1, He shall be full of the Holy Spirit even from His mother's womb. And which is really cool because Elizabeth and Zacharias, his mom and dad, they were filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, filled by the Spirit and everybody with him on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Individuals who became the deacons, what we call deacons, the servants of the church. One of the calling cards of them was they were filled with the Spirit. Chapter 7, verse 55, the rocks were crushing down on Stephen. He looked to heaven, saw the Son next to the Father, and he was filled with the Spirit. Chapter 9, verse 17. Saul, also Paul, was approached by Ananias and said, Receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. And Paul understood this. Paul may have understood it better than anybody else. Paul, chapter 13, verse 9, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he set his eyes upon Jesus. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. Barnabas, the encourager, he was a righteous man, full of the Holy Spirit. So I can go as far back as John the Baptist's parents. John the Baptist, Jesus in the Gospels, the people in the book of Acts, who would become writers of the New Testament. And they all had a continual filling of the Spirit of God. And if you think about that for just a second, that's central. That's central to every one of us. There is no way an, end, an individual can function in the power of God apart from control of the Spirit of God. Bottom line. Years and years and years and years and years ago, uh, two pastors ago from here, from me, we had a, a, a group and we were going to do spiritual gifts. And we had these little workbooks and you just went through and you checked off and it studied, you know, do you do this, you do this. You know what I found that was fascinating? We had these little home groups all over the place. And I could talk to all these people at different times. And what they would say is, okay, this spiritual gift when filled with the Spirit, it looks just like this. Okay, that's cool. This spiritual gift, when controlled by the flesh, looks like this. At that time, it was funny because everybody was picking out their gifts based on the flesh. Okay, well, I was a young believer then, 
And I look back at that now and say, you realize how stupid that is? Guarded my mouth well on that one, didn't I? You're telling me I have a supernatural gift from the Holy God and I can control it with my flesh. (laughs) I can't even control my flesh with my flesh. But see, that's why we buy this stuff. It is incredible to me. And that book crossed all kinds of denominational lines and all the rest. These are what the spiritual gifts look like when they're in the flesh. And I thought, there's no way an individual can function in the power of God apart from being absolutely controlled by the Spirit of the living God. Now, He will take you to a place where we must yield control. And there are times in my life He's done that, and I am grateful to this day. People who were, okay, and are filled with the Spirit of God are able to function with such power that it is said of them, if you look at what I went through in the book of Acts in the Gospel record, it is said of them, and you've heard it, all of you have heard it, they turned the world upside down. Okay? Being filled then, we'll do what? We will turn the world upside down. And that should be enough motivation to keep you being filled because I want to turn the world upside down. I give you a couple of places that God has used this foolish child and I just sit and wow, wow. I was on top of Masada. You know what Masada is? Down in the Dead Sea. They were surrounded by the Romans. It was a group of zealots. It was an old temple of, of uh, what's his name, Herod. And it was a fortress on top of this thing. And you had to go up probably 900-foot cliffs to get to the top. Okay? It was one little path, and they guarded it. Well, Masada fell. They literally built a stack of rocks on one side, that Jewish prisoners built so that when they started defending it, they were killing their own people. But whenever a Jewish soldier becomes an officer, they take him up to the top of Masada at sunrise and he takes an oath in Hebrew that Masada will never happen again. I got to see that. I got some chill bumps on that one. But, I mean, you just sit there and you're like, whoa. Because when we got up there, there's all these soldiers and you're thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> I should go down? Okay. But they were taking an oath. So a couple of guys were becoming officers. And I just sat there. The sun was coming up over Edom. And I just sat and looked at it and thought, Man. We have the ability to walk in the same power that the first century apostles walked in. Hasn't changed. And that's what I get on people about. I said, listen, Holy Spirit was in Peter. The Holy Spirit that was in Paul. He is the same one that's in you. Have you ever thought of that? That's incredible to me. And that's what we were looking at in the consequences. I shared with you there's three things in this. Self, God, and others. When we are spirit-filled to self, we're overwhelmed with joy, and it bursts forth in song. When it's we're all right with ourselves, our conscience don't condemn us, then guess what? We're all right with God, and we break forth in what? Thanksgiving. When it's others, what do we do? We submit. 
Anybody here had trouble submitting to somebody? No, hallelujah. Then I'll just skip that part. <laughs> be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Who would be one another? Anybody that ain't you. <laughs> okay. Okay, now listen. When, when a Christian is spirit-filled, he has a heart that's filled with joy. And that joy overflows and can come forth as a song. And we looked at that in detail. Now I'm stepping into this next one and we could be here indefinitely. Okay, because as I start looking at this thing, it just, I had an old friend of mine, <laughs> a black preacher out of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. And he would sit there, big man, huge man, didn't have no neck. He'd sit there and he says, that right there is pregnant with truth. And you're like, ooh, okay. And then I watched him preach one time. I was like, that there was a whole bunch of delivery. <laughs> so anyway, it's good man, good man. See, when you're right with yourself, now listen, I'm honest about this. Every one of us in this room has a conscience. And it's a really cool place because they nobody knows my conscience. Okay? There's little bits and pieces of it. It's all stuck all over the place. And I have not allowed access to my complete conscience to anybody. And you can say, well, I can't believe you would be like that with such boundaries. Neither have you. <laughs> I can't believe you'd have all them boundaries either. But the Spirit of the living God knows it all. And when I can sit with my conscience not condemning me, guess what that means? Who's leading me? Spirit is leading me. I have a lot of people tell me things I should be probably doing. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay? But there's only one that I really listen to. And there's times people say, well, I don't think he's doing anything. Well, he is. Because a person controlled by the Spirit of God is overwhelmed and has a joy that can't be touched. There's nothing external or internal that can touch that thing. All right? And you know what? When you're right inside, your conscience isn't saying, oh, I shouldn't have fought that, or oh, why did I want to blow up that car to cut me off, and you know all this other weird stuff that we do. But when you're that way, and you're right inside, that means you got it made. You know why? It means you're right with God. He's leading you. You are spirit-filled. Being right with God, there is a joy and a righteousness with yourself, but a person filled is right towards God. One way is music. The other one, we don't really think that much about it. Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things. If you've ever had kids, you had to teach your kids to say thank you, right? You had to teach them. You, they, then a kid I ever seen come up and said, well, thank you. Where'd you learn that, Daddy? You want to see the bruises on my butt when I didn't? See what I mean? Ask yourself a question. Every one of it. Because I've been asking myself this. How much do we say thanks for? Ever thought of that? Try this one. How much do we have to say thanks for? Giving thanks always for all things. That's spirit-filled. A spirit-filled, 
a Christ-conscious, a word-filled, an obedient Christian gives thanks to God for all things. It's, uh, here we go on a great adventure. Book of Psalms. Remember I told you when we were singing Psalms? What is it? The character and the attributes of God? That's what we sing forth through. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Here it comes. All the earth serve the Lord with gladness. Come to Him with joyful singing. See, I told you. Know that the Lord Himself is God, for He has made us, and not we ourselves, we His people, the sheep of His pasture. And we all go, Amen, Amen, Amen. Then read on. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. You enter into the presence of God, how should it be done? Always, 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 always gratitude, thanksgiving. Listen, E.M. Bounds, I remembered this a long time ago. If there's no thanksgiving, then you clip the wings of prayer so it does not rise. And E.M. Bounds was a guy of prayer. He, he, he cornered the market. I thought that that's good though. Do you think that's good? No thanksgiving. You clip the wings of prayer so it does not rise. Why? Psalm 100. Enter his gates what? So how do I pray without thanksgiving? Be thankful to him and bless his name. The spirit-filled person will be one who says, Thanks to God. Okay, now listen, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to make you think. If you're going to go to sleep, go to sleep now. Because it just hurts you if you wake up in the middle of it. I am convinced with all the fiber of my soul, the single greatest act of a personal worship that you can give to God is to be thankful. The word worship is worthy. Right? My greatest act of personal worship is thanks. Thanksgiving. That is worship. Okay? That is the single Highest and best ultimate in worship. Not this tambourines, guitars, sitars, whatever we're playing nowadays. It is a grateful heart to have a thankful heart. Listen, that's key. Thankful heart. If we're truly thankful. Now, listen, I know how this works. I am of the same nature. There are times that we say, well, thank you. Why? Because I've been told that I have to say thank you. Right? I say thank you. Why? Because I'm supposed to say thank you. Or every once in a while, I'll really, bless you. Thank you. Okay? I can see right through that. You know why? A spirit-filled Christian who is thankful, thankful in their heart, will always crucify self. Okay? Because, see, a true spirit-filled Christian who is thankful is ultimately giving thanks that will ultimately recognize God. And sometimes you'll start realizing that we recognize God for everything. Therefore, we give thanks always. In the good and the bad, God be praised. All right? 
I don't have some of you convinced. It's all right. I will hear it in a minute. Thanks always sees beyond your circumstance. Okay? I'm having some intermittent car problems. And I was driving in this morning, and they kind of tried to raise their head again. And I thought, let's see, when I left the house, it was minus 10. So how far do you suppose I can walk? <laughs> and it's like, you know, Lord, it's going to be really hard for me not to set this thing on fire and just say, I don't know what happened. Thanks always sees beyond the circumstance. Thanks sees the plan and the glory of God. Thanks sees beyond the pain of the sovereignty of God. Got it? I was dealing with hell this week with somebody. And I explained to him, because he was making this very profound statement, that God, part of hell is, is absence of his presence. So therefore, that's part of the condemnation. I said, huh? He said, what? I said, hell is for those who are ready to receive 100% of God's wrath for eternity. You'd give anything if he would go away. But he's not. That don't bring joy to a believer's heart? To me, I'm like, whoa. Now, I want to show you something. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We've all either shared this verse or we've had it shared to us. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, if you're in the middle of a mess and someone shares this, you do your best not to smack them in the forehead. If you're trying to help somebody who's in a mess, you use this hoping that you can smack them in the forehead. But I got to ask you a question. If I am spirit filled, then I am thankful for all things. And no matter what's going on, I see the hand of God in everything. The good and the bad. Isaiah 40 says that calamity is his. Because I hear people say, well, you know, God wouldn't want that bad thing. Want to bet? What if he wants to conform you into the image of his son and you're being uh, stiff-necked? Right? And, you know, I shared with you a, a few minutes ago how many times do we say, okay, in the bad times is when I grow more. Okay, I shared with you. No. You will become filled quicker in the bad time. I got a question for you. How many, you know, we always talk about how can someone who, you know, I think about Corinne and her health problems. I think about a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer and there's nothing they can do about it. And I think about all of this and I deal with this. Hey, I was up at Columbine the day of the shooting. I know what this looks like. Okay? How can I look at that and say, Thank you, Lord. Well, is it being used to conform people into the image of Jesus Christ? That's your reason for being here. It's the reason He saved you. It's to conform you into Jesus Christ. That image. Oh, I, just, I, just, I can't... You say, thanks for that. Okay, let me try to make it easy for you. How often when something amazing happens, do you thank him for it? Or, gosh, you know, I just got a raise and I got this new this, I got this new that. How good is that? Instead of saying, Lord, you blessed me. Thank you. May I be a good steward. See the difference? See, we do, I can't thank anybody for cancer. What if that person needs to be saved? 
Are you willing them to die of cancer if they have eternal life? Okay. See what I'm trying to get at? See when I told you that this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's wearing me out. I about fell out of my chair, but I've realized I got a faulty thing in my chair that every once in a while I'll just test my sanctification. I want us to think about this because it is easy for us to give thanks. You know, this person over here is dying of cancer, and Lord, you give me an opportunity. Share the gospel with him. Try it this way. Lord, thank you that you gave me cancer, that I can share the gospel with my endocrinologist, my nurse, my primary care physician. And I can show them the hope that I have ain't here. I got a primary care physician, and every time I go in, he keeps trying to find something wrong with me. I told him I'm going to quit coming because I'm not that broken. And he said, well, you know, if you do this and do this and this. I said, why do you want me to live forever? I said, I'm ready to get out of here. What? Yeah, I'm, there's days I got up this morning and said, oh, man, who left the window open? In the Arctic. <laughs> but see, how difficult is that? To move from, I have this diagnosis, I have a door open to share the hope that's in me, and it ain't my endocrinologist. Try that one. I have a friend right now that I'm praying for. This is an old friend of the family. Uh, her second oldest son was my age. We graduated together in high school. And uh, they were loud and, yeah, rowdy, Okay. Her husband was a Korean vet and had a an, an attitude, a big-time attitude. And she wanted to go to church, and he said, there ain't no such thing as God. We ain't wasting our time. Let's go down to the VFW. And that's what they did. And, of course, the kids did that. Okay. I'm praying for her. Here's why. I had five kids. Three of them have died, and they had to bury them. Fourth one that was my age just came up with what was it something four level four cancer of the liver and he's out of here. And then she had embolisms in her eyes that she took the shots like I did. She had them in both eyes and it didn't work. So she's legally blind. So she's got a granddaughter that has to holler around and then four months ago her husband died. Yay, huh? Buried three kids, fourth getting ready. Husband just died. I can't see. But she told my mom, she says, you know, I was raised in the church. She said, but John just would never let me go. He didn't think, he thought it was a waste of time. He said, so, you know, we didn't go. So she started going with my mom. And she said, told my mom, she says, you know, I know God says he won't give me more than I can handle. He must think I'm a tough old bird. And so I started sending some stuff to him, email. Uh, and then her granddaughter reads it to her. Maybe her granddaughter gets saved. But you know what? I can't imagine marrying a kid. Just can't imagine that. I don't want to bury anybody younger than me. Listen, if you think about it, thanks is the ultimate act of praise because it thanks God even for the hard time. But see, we in America have a hard time thanking God for the good time. The blessing time. And thanks for everything because I know it can be used for my good. It helps me to be conformed into Christ Jesus.
Did you, now think about that, what I just said. No matter what it is, can help me be conformed into Christ Jesus. The positives and the negatives. Most righteous man in the East, a guy named Job, said, Naked I came into the world, naked I shall leave. Because the Lord gives and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you know what? Job lost his family, his wealth. He had physical sores. And his conclusion was, that's okay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I thank you, God, when you give. I thank you, God, when you take. Now, let me tell you something. I hear people telling me they want to be mature in Christ. Try that one, because that's maturity. When he gives, thank you. When he takes, thank you. That's maturity. That is a spiritual person. Why? They're being led by the Spirit because they have a grateful heart. And it's not a, I've got to say thank you, don't I? Thanks. Or gee, thanks. Or ooh, thanks. That is a Spirit-filled person. Let me give you another thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, so that, now grab this, it's worded kind of weird, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Okay, now, Paul has had an attitude toward this church. They, uh, there's four letters were written. We have two and First Corinthians seems mean-spirited to me, but he said he wrote one earlier that was worse. But he says, for all things, you got that? When they throw me into jail in Philippi, that gives more and more to the people. So that the grace which is spreading... will cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of the Lord. Please understand something, Castle Rock Baptist Church. Everything God does is for us. Okay? Some of you have had health problems. We've got some health problems going on right now. You know, I think about Teresa, she's an MS, and I, all this other stuff that's going on. And yet it is for us to be thankful. Sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a trial. But Paul told the Corinthians, everything is for you so that grace would abound more and more and we would give more thanksgiving for His glory. That the abundance of grace might through thanksgiving of many and many abound to the glory of God. Hmm. Listen, our ultimate goal is the glory of God. The means to the glory of God is thanksgiving. The means of thanksgiving are all things God does in your life. Okay? All things that God does in my life or your life, I give thanks for. And because I give thanks for it, it brings glory to God. Because God is glorified with our thanksgiving. All things are for our sake that we might be thankful to God 
so that he'll be glorified. Now, that, I, that just for me, we say thanks because I'm supposed to say thank you. It's the dumbest gift I've ever seen, but thank you. I know none of you have ever had that. But you just, oh, that make you mad? What? But I want you to think about this. We glorify God by being thankful. Okay? And no matter how much it hurts, we still glorify God. Because we are thankful. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I love Jesus. I was like, that's cool. But do you glorify God? What? Well, I love Jesus. I didn't ask you that. Do you glorify God? Well, how do you glorify God? I just told you. Thanksgiving. And it's not that, well, I got caught, so I'm going to say thanks. Or, you know, uh, well, somebody sacrificed and thanks. You know, no. God did it and thank you. Because whatever it is, is conforming me into the image of your son. I do believe we ought to work harder at saying thanks for the blessings. No matter how bad. Okay, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is fascinating. Uh, I was trying to remember. I evidently had it all written down here, so I kind of knew what I was doing, but how did I forget it? Uh, Chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing to us. Okay, contextually, verse 10. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread and food to, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So your righteousness will grow in such a way that you will multiply it to others and you will enrich in everything liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. There it is again. Look at verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing through the many thanksgivings to God. A couple of years ago, we had a little problem here with finances. And I told everybody I was going to take a cut and pay. And some of the people in the congregation said, no, we will cut off money to our missionaries, they don't, you know, we'll just doctor pay a little bit. Or, you know, if we don't really have to pay them, we won't pay them. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. We made a commitment to these people. Well, some people got mad and they left. And they, you know, I've had it circles around here and it keeps coming back and saying, you know, that's the reason they left. Is it? You were too stubborn. I get a text this week from Pastor Paul. It says the only reason that him and Loon have survived this time of 2020 is why? Castle Rock Baptist Church. And God said, see, you did it right. Because i got to be honest with you, I carry a burden on that. You got, I don't remember how many families left because, no. And I was like, I'm not asking you to take a cut and pay. They said, no, we don't want you to take a cut and pay. We'll cut the missionaries. I was like, man, I mean, him and his wife can live comfortably for $250 a month. Anybody here want to try that? So you see what I mean? It's how grateful they are. Because, uh, you know, I talked to some of the guys with SGA and some other missions that we deal with, and the money's drying up because of this pandemic people aren't working people ain't getting out i mean they ain't doing anything so they're hanging on to their their quarters he says you guys haven't stopped but you know what i thank god for you guys because i can't do that 
that's what I'm trying to get across here. Things are enriched to all bountifulness. Why? It causes us to thank God because we are grateful to God. He blesses us more. The ultimate expression of response to what God has done is thanksgiving. You know, I know churches here in town that got that PPEG, whatever it is, money. You know, I know a couple of, one church got 60 grand, uh, another got about 45, five, something like that, and all the rest of it. And they asked me, they said, well, did you apply? And I said, no. They said, why didn't you apply? We can get you applying. I said, I don't need their money. I don't. You're telling me God's church got to run on federal funds? I don't think so. Of course, I could have bumped up my salary about 50 grand, but anyway, I'm not just kidding. But this is stuff that I want us to think about. Do Am I trusting and am I grateful to the one that I'm trusting? Drop down there to verse 15 in the end of chapter 9. What does it say? Thanks be to God for His undescribable gift. Listen, if you are thankless, you have missed it. And you are to be pitied. The whole of the worthy walk is coming to a place of thanksgiving in all things. Okay? God has done all that He has and is doing. All that He has done and all that He is doing. And all that He will do that we will be thankful. And therefore, glorify Him. When we thank God for it, it's for His glory. Okay? Because it recognizes Him as the source and the sovereign of everything. When pain comes, it's Him. When blessing comes, it's Him. It's all. You know, and I, you know, you sit and I think about this stuff. I said, well, there's times that Saints sin. It's intentional. It's premeditated in some cases. They just go do it. Okay? How in the world can I thank God for that? You can. That will conform them into the image of Christ. Remember, Peter describes it. A dog returns to its... Sounds like a pleasant undertaking, doesn't it? So, you know, and I've told people that before. They're not here anymore. Funny how that worked. I said, you just return it to your vomit. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I was right. Okay. See, this is stuff that you got to listen. God will take a situation and, you know, I tell people, I said, you know what? You make decisions. I do not believe in free will. I do believe in decisions. Okay. You make decisions. You know, do I wear long underwear this morning or not? Do I wear, you know, you know, I'm always making, I'm not going to the throne of God. Lord, should I wear long underwear? And he's, you stupid if you don't. But anyway, <laughs> but. But you, you, we make decisions. Let me tell you something about your decisions. God bless you. You don't get to choose the consequence. You can make the decision. I don't care what the decision is. You can say, say tomorrow morning, I'm going to send my brains out. Go. Knock yourself out. But remember this. You don't choose the consequence. And you know what? A person who willfully jumps into sin has not looked at consequence. Because consequence is the one who goes, ow, and that's how he trains us. He chastens and scourges those whom he loves. 
When we thank God, it's for His glory. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Came in, lied about how much they had sold the land for and that they had given it all to... Because they'd seen Barnabas do it. And look, everybody's like, did you see what Barnabas did? And then they both fell over dead. You know what? God was glorified. Wasn't He? But do you understand what I'm trying to get at? We look at things and it seems sudden. And it's not. Jesus was asked this, how's come the Galileans were slaughtered in the temple? Okay, Was they a worse sinner than those guys that the tower fell over on and killed eight of them? Which one was the worst sinner? What did he say? You're living on borrowed time, slick. That's the slang Hebrew. You're living on borrowed time. You don't know when your race is over. John in 1 John says, Hey, I don't want you to be ashamed at His appearing. Guard what you're doing. Now listen, I don't know about you, there's been a couple of things that I'm glad He didn't show up what I was doing. As one of those, oops. Okay? We've got to be aware of this. Why? Because I give thanks when He protects me. I give thanks when He protects me and I don't know it. I give thanks when He blesses me. I give thanks. Why me? Why me? I I never forget how aggravated I was with Him when I was up there about three days at Columbine. Because you know what? I was always getting asked the same thing. I was considered a spiritual advisor or something. Why did God allow this to happen? I know you told him he wasn't allowed in here. He didn't have. (laughs) You guys did this. I didn't say that. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, you don't want him in the school until you have a catastrophe, then you want to know where God's at. Now, I know God was in that school. And you know what? He got a lot of press out of it. Okay? And I think a lot of people's lives were changed. Some to eternal life. But I remember going through it and thinking, why did I sign up for this? But there's times I have to back away and say, thank you, Lord. Be glorified. And I saw him glorified in Columbine. And people think I lost my mind. Yeah, well, you don't know my prayers. I said, you got to show me your glory through this. I said, because Lord, I don't see it. You know what he did? He showed it to me. And then I had to thank him again. Thanks for showing me. Could you have done it without them people dying? Nope. Why? Why did it take my son to pay the penalty of your sins and my sins? Right? And if he never gave me anything ever, and if he took it all from me, I'm still going to thank him because I'm going to be with him for eternity. I'll be with him for eternity. I'm in it. I'm in it. That's Thanksgiving. Now listen, I hate to break the news to you. This is just the introduction to this verse. Okay? You have got to rethink Thanksgiving. Because I did. And and I'm not done. So, hold on tight. Now, next week when we come together, I'm going to tell everybody turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'll tell them that we finished up 5 while they were gone. No. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You so much for Your holy Word. Father, thank You that uh, things the Apostle Paul went through and things that Peter went through, John, Matthew, Luke, Timothy, 
all the saints through all times. Father, thank you for the those of us in this little congregation have been through the ringer, some of us. And Father, uh, still a joy of our salvation. Father, help us keep focused on knowing that our thanksgiving brings you glory and that we are here about your glory. So help us. Help us to be spirit-filled so that we may give you the praise and glory. Father, I lift up Corinne to you and the doctors. And Father, that uh, there could be a fresh diagnosis, a fresh set of eyes on this, that they understand what the issue is. But Father, I pray for Corinne and Nate right now. Father, that they have grateful hearts. They know what they're going through is not, not easy. I've always thought that when the wife is ill, the husband suffers more. So Father, I, uh, I pray for Nate that he'll have a thanksgiving in his heart, a hope that is eternal. I pray for Corinne that she focuses upon your kingdom and your righteousness. And Father, that they all enter into the gates with thanksgiving, shouting songs from a new heart, shouting songs and new songs. And Father, we will sing with them soon. Father, we love you. And I thank you so much. Praise be to you, Christ's name. Amen.